When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to That's a Hard No, the podcast about learning to say no and set boundaries to live our best lives. I'm your host, Heather Drago. You may think because of this podcast that I'm a boundary setting expert, but I'm not. I'm an expert at struggling to set boundaries. But you know what? I'm working on it and it is getting easier. Follow along with me as I learn from fellow strugglers and experts so that you too can start saying no without feeling fear, guilt, or FOMO. talking about Jonah Hill's documentary it's on Netflix called Stutz, S-T-U-T-Z. It stars Jonah and his psychiatrist, Phil Stutz. It's this really honest and refreshing exploration into Stutz's life, Jonah's relationship with Stutz, and the therapy process in general and, and Stutz's unique approach. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it, even if you don't agree with everything in it. It's fascinating, poignant, brave. It's a meditation on therapy and mental health and on life and death itself. But don't worry. It's funny too. It's, it's really not dark and depressing. Stutz gives his clients homework, which is what makes his approach kind of unique. Um, there's sort of these tangible techniques and concepts that their clients work on outside of session. And he illustrates them on these little note cards. And what's really sort of poignant and touching about it is that he has Parkinson's disease. So he's He's drawing these diagrams and his hands are shaky and it's it's really difficult for him to do it. Um, it actually kind of makes these little these little doodles um, kind of profound, really. Um, one of these illustrations um, and concepts has really stuck with me since watching it. Um, he calls it string of pearls. So here's how it goes. Imagine a string of pearls. Every pearl on the string is the same size. Now imagine that every pearl represents an action in your life. No matter what that action is, no matter how important or stupid you may think it is, it's just a pearl on a string. Every action is given the same weight. He uses this concept to help people get themselves moving, to break free of the inertia that comes with depression and anxiety. He says if you just add a pearl to the string, just do the thing, you know, get out of bed, brush your teeth, make the phone call, end a relationship, 
no matter what it is, you don't judge it. You just do it and move on to the next pearl. And I love this part. Sometimes he draws a dark spot on a pearl. He calls it a turd. (laughs) And that represents where you might mess up one of those actions. Doesn't matter. The pearl's still been added to the string and you're moving forward. So here's why I love this concept and how I think it connects to saying no and setting boundaries. I'll make this story short for those of you who've heard it before. Back at the beginning of 2019, I was burned out and frustrated with my business and my life. I knew I'd made a lot of mistakes and taken on too much of the wrong things the year before, and I knew why. I had said yes too many times when I should have said no. So I decided to challenge myself to say no to, or set boundaries around, one thing every day, no matter how small. I called it finding the no. It could be anything, not answering a text or email, replying with a no thank you, telling clients when it's convenient for me to meet with them and not the other way around. I look for each opportunity and when I found it, score, it was like, instead of feeling scared or guilty, I felt like I'd won something. I kind of made a game out of it. And importantly, I kept track, making note in my planner of what I said no to, when I did it, and how I felt. I messed up a lot. It was awkward sometimes. I hurt people's feelings. There were lots of turds that first year. And sometimes, honestly, there still are. But making a point of finding a no every day has helped me to be mindful of it, to do it, to not be paralyzed by fear or guilt when faced with saying no. Have I mastered the art of setting boundaries? (laughs) Hell no. (laughs) Pearls on a string, my friend. Pearls on a string. It's a process. It takes time to learn and perfect new skills. Even now, I look for daily opportunities to practice setting boundaries, and each time it gets a little easier. It feels a little more natural. It helps me feel empowered and a little more in control of my life. So this is my challenge to you. Start now, today. Find one thing to say no to every single day. Keep track. Write it in your journal. Use a tracker app. There's tons of them. Download our no score sheet from our website. Whatever. How you keep track doesn't matter. Just track it and make note of how you feel. I promise that when you make this a priority in your life, and you practice it every day, it gets easier, less awkward, and eventually it actually kind of starts to feel good. And hey, we're here for you. Score a great no and want to share it? Flop, you know, leave a turd somewhere (laughs) and want some support? Send us an email or a DM or share it on your social media and tag us. We'd love to be here to support you and help you put more pearls on your string. We'll be right back. Today we'll be talking with Sarah Esmile Beggy Bartlett, owner of Mod Network LLC and host of the Can I Offer You Some Feedback podcast. She's a consultant and coach who specializes in managing organizational change and leadership development. We'll be talking about nose in the workplace, all those situations that come up in our careers, 
or just dealing with other humans in general. So, hi, Sarah. Hi, Heather. It's so nice to finally be here and to get yeah. to talk to you today. We've been talking about doing this for a while, so I'm glad I'm glad we could make it happen. And the stars have aligned. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is I've been reading a lot for the past several months about this 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 new I don't know thing phrase whatever called quiet quitting, mm-hmm. and and it seems to me like this is just a passive aggressive way of trying to set boundaries, mm. and um, you know it seems to be a popular thing to you know talk about. I don't know how prevalent it really is, but. Based on what I've read, it just seems like, you know, people do the bare minimum. They just see their job as a paycheck and they're not really emotionally or intellectually engaged with their jobs. Mm-hmm. But but it, to me, it seems kind of like self-sabotage. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there could be some pitfalls. And, and like I said, I think it's kind of passive, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, by contrast, people could set healthy boundaries. So I just wondered what mm-hmm. your take was on that. Yeah. You know... Quiet quitting has been an interesting term. Uh, I mean, the term is new, but the activity has been going on for a while. Right. Um, And I have the benefit of being able to see it both from the employer side, since some of the times I I work on with organizations, and then also the client side, the individuals Mm -hmm. who are, let's say, doing the quiet quitting. Um, Mm -hmm. Organizationally, absolutely hearing the things that you're sharing. um, You know, it seems like, it sounds like for some folks that, you know, people don't want to put in the extra time. They're doing the bare minimum. They're not showing up in the way that they used to. Maybe loyalty is in question. Um, and I've heard a lot of employers um, and senior leaders kind of express concern about uh, the workforce and the quality of the mm-hmm. workforce that they might be getting. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me, and again, one of the reasons I'm grateful for both sides of the perspective is... When I talk to individuals um, at all levels of the organization, you know, mid-management, senior leaders, those in between, it is been a change, I'd say, uh, definitely over the past three years, really focusing mm-hmm. on what is the relationship I have with my employer and what do they owe me? What do I owe them? What is the actual mm-hmm. agreement that we have with each other for the work that I'm mm-hmm. doing? Mm-hmm. And I think that naturally, one of the things that happens is there's scope creep within a job, right? I sign up for one job, and then over time, it expands, and it expands, and it expands. And the expectations increase without compensation increasing or recognition increasing um, for Mm -hmm. the extra labor that's being done. So Mm -hmm. it's an interesting kind of um, pushback, I'd say, on the employee side to say, you know what, you're paying me for these 10 skills, these 10 tasks, these 10, you know, responsibilities, and I'm going to do the 10, right? That was the terms of our agreement. That was the terms mm-hmm, of our negotiation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for a lot of individuals in kind of the early months of COVID, when employers had to make business decisions about who they were keeping on board, who were they furloughing, whether or not you're essential mm-hmm. in your role, it changed a lot of folks' framing around, oh, mm-hmm. my employer views me perhaps as an asset, not as a person, you know, and, mm-hmm, and views mm-hmm. me as a budget line. So I think kind of all of these factors coming together at the same time, I can appreciate both perspectives, right? Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. organizational side of why aren't people putting in more work? <laughs> why aren't they extending more? Why aren't they oh, yeah. trusting in the process? And I also get the employee side of, you know what, 
we don't have the same relationship, whether you're the manager or then you in turn are the employee. Yeah. It seems like, though, from what I can glean from all these articles and things I've, mm-hmm. I've read, is that people are having these internal dialogues with themselves mm-hmm. saying, well, mm-hmm. they're not paying me to do more than X, Y, and Z, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to invest more time in that mm-hmm. if they're not going to bother to pay me for it. But they're not mm-hmm. actually having conversations mm-hmm. with their employer saying, if you want me to do more, then you will need to compensate me more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, to me, that's just that's just being assertive and setting boundaries mm-hmm. and communicating. Yeah. Um, so that's what I was talking about. Like, it just seems sort of yeah. like self-sabotage because the risk is if you're not communicating why you're not doing something, Mm-hmm. then you're going to be perceived as lazy or uninvested mm-hmm. or some sort of Gen Z or millennial slacker or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, for some folks, the choice not to bring it up or the choice not to, as you're saying, like self-advocate <laughs> or um, right. yeah. make clear the like, expectation right I'm happy to do this if um Mm -hmm. I think I see a lot of that in maybe the best word is uh disenchantment with organizational culture and seeing how employees are actually being treated and Mm I I can you know we can look at textbooks (laughs) we can look at you know popular management books all day Mm -hmm. long that talk about people are your most valuable resource you need to invest this this and this but at the end of the Mm -hmm. day one of the first things that typically gets cut is a training budget, a development budget, mm-hmm. you know, investment mm-hmm. in the people that are doing the work. And so mm-hmm. when I do hear folks not even bothering to ask for what they're looking for, they're already feeling my perception is or, you know, their their articulation is this organization doesn't care about me. So mm-hmm. why should I even bother asking? Mm-hmm. They don't want my mm-hmm. opinion about my work product. Why would they want my opinion on this? You know, it's it's a right. level of disengagement or dissatisfaction that's like, I'm gonna I'm not gonna work harder <laughs> than they are right. at trying to keep right. this relationship, right. whatever the relationship is. And so yeah. um when it does get to that point, yeah, there might be an amount of sabotage, but I typically see the damage has already been done to the relationship. There's a lack of trust. There's a lack of right. um, belief that the employer has the best interest of the employee at heart. Sure. I mean, we've all heard these nightmare stories about Amazon employees and other, mm-hmm. other you know, large employers and how they treat people, all the, mm-hmm. the uh, tech companies laying people off. And yeah, sure, they're seen as commodities. But I think there's an opportunity for employers to start the conversation mm-hmm. and at least ha- make people aware that they are valued. Like I know mm-hmm. personally with my little company, mm-hmm. like I regularly have conversations, people with like, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. How are the hours? Are you okay? Are you mm-hmm. working enough? Are you working too much? Because I'm always worried. I want to make sure I'm not taking advantage of people and I'm, you know, I'm giving them what they need. And, mm-hmm. um, but I think that's just because I come from a place of, you know, I'm, I too am a mom, <laughs> right. you know, and have been there. Um, and I think it's easier sometimes for smaller companies to do stuff like that, smaller organizations. Right. But, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think if there isn't a culture where you can have those dialogues, then I guess people won't self-advocate, as you mentioned. Right. It even happens in mid-sized companies. Like I talk to managers, folks who, right. you know, a simple question of how often are you meeting individually? 
not as a group, mm-hmm. individually with your team members. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, no, we meet all the time. And I'm like, okay, what do you talk about? And I'm like, A, what is all the time? <laughs> but B, what are you actually talking about? And all the mm-hmm. time typically is a mix of, you know, daily to like once a week, maybe twice a week. But when I actually talk the and inquire, what are you talking about? It's all operational. It's all task oriented. Yeah. It's all project right. oriented. And I really push these managers to say, when are you talking to this person about their career, about how they're doing, about their performance? Like, when are you actually giving feedback, not Mm -hmm. operational feedback, right? They're getting that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's clear. Mm -hmm. You're talking Mm -hmm. to them about that regularly. But when is all the other stuff happening? Because if you're only talking to them about their career once a year, because on your performance management form, it's a box you have to Mm -hmm. check off. Mm -hmm. Why would this person be invested in their relationship? You are only treating them as, you know, something that has an output, a product, right? right? That operational, whatever the operations is. And I think that that's a a switch (laughs) for a manager to not only talk about operations, but also like, you are a human. I'd like to engage with you as a human. How are you doing? (laughs) Are you satisfied with your job? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I actually know someone, I had a conversation today with someone who had their annual review recently. Mm -hmm. And after their annual review, they didn't know what to make of it. They were kind of terrified. They were like, I don't think they like me. I don't Mm -hmm. know if I... And so then today we have this conversation and they're like, I got a raise and a bonus. And and I was like, see, you, you are so worried. Like, you know, but I think that is just so telling that the employer wasn't mm-hmm. communicative mm-hmm. at all, not even operationally, like right. you are valuable. We appreciate the things you do. Like right. it was just, I don't I don't even know what the conversation was. <laughs> if the person walked out of it going, I don't know if they like me. Right. So um I, I think there's definitely a lot to be learned on both sides about communicating. Right. And and it it shouldn't be a surprise either way. <laughs> like it shouldn't be a surprise that I'm not performing well. And it shouldn't be a surprise right. that I am performing well. And I and right. I think there's uh lot of stress and you know I can appreciate as a manager who's had many direct reports you know you need to get through all of them you know in a short amount of time or else HR is going to find you and like you know there's a you know if you work in an entity that's large enough to have an HR but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um I, I get that pressure of like needing to just get through it but like to that you know person whom you were talking to what was their experience like to walk out right. of a performance evaluation and not to know that you're a valued member of the team? Like, right. man. <laughs> like, I know, right? I was like, but you do all these things and you're mm-hmm. so smart. And like, mm-hmm. how could you not know if they value that? But right. they didn't. Right. When we come back, we'll talk more about setting boundaries in the workplace. That's a Hard No is brought to you by Clever Girl Marketing, my full-service agency specializing in smart, strategic marketing solutions for businesses and nonprofits. Okay, so you're probably wondering, Heather, what's with the podcast about boundaries? Why not marketing? Well, maybe in the future, but for now, it actually does relate. So bear with me here. Smart marketing, strategic marketing, requires knowing what to say no to and why. Businesses and nonprofits get inundated with marketing options and offers every day. 
We help you cut through all that noise, focus on your specific needs, and develop actionable strategies that are doable and actually make sense. Whether it's websites, SEO, email, social, or traditional channels, we're experienced in all of it. So if you need help figuring out your marketing, visit our website, clevergrowmarketing.com, and get in touch. And it's, it's uh, I'm, I'm presuming, um, you know, this often happens a lot with high performers and how most high performers that I talk to, the only feedback they get is great. Do more, please. Yes. Right. <laughs> Repeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just yeah. more. <laughs> if you could year. also do this, this would be great. Yeah, right. exactly. And, yeah. And that's not, you know, sustainable by any means. Right, right. So what would your advice be to... Uh, employees who, or, or, you know, younger folks embarking on their careers of how to start these conversations, set, you know, assertively without being grading or, you know, seen as demanding, you know, set boundaries, Mm self-advocate. I'm sure it's very scary for people Mm -hmm. to say, you know, listen, you hired me to do this and now you're asking for this and, you know, I really need to stick to our agreement mm-hmm. or I need more compensation. Like, how do you have, how how would you advise younger people, mm-hmm. people getting a new job or whatever, like how to set mm-hmm. boundaries without being seen as being a prima donna? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that um, most of the time, most people like knowing what they can do better. Right. As long as it's structured in a positive, in a constructive, in an actually meaningful way for me to like, actually do better, most people are open to that feedback. I think the challenge that, you know, whether you're new grad, new into an organization learning that culture is what's an appropriate frequency to either ask for feedback or to receive feedback. And Mm -hmm. the organizations that have a high amount of influx have that kind of down. They know cadences, they have that frequency set. But I think for new people, regardless of your level, to have an an initial conversation with your direct supervisor, your manager, whatever their title is, to ask, you know, what can I expect as far as feedback and what the timing might be? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm eager to hear it, would love to know when it is, and what's the best way for me to ask for feedback? I have a couple of people with whom I work who they love feedback, but they drive it, right? They show up to the meeting and ask, I'd love if in our next conversation you can provide me feedback on this, this, and this. Or I'd let, you know, they're the ones directing mm-hmm. when they're getting that feedback. And that shows, you know, accountability, ownership of process, and also puts that person in control yeah. rather than um, having the other person and waiting, you know, to, to get that. And of course, they have to then chase it. Right, right. I think that, um, again, clarity on what the organizational cadence is, understanding whether I'm, you know, <laughs> I have to ask for it or you will freely give it what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And also understand what happens to that feedback, right? Um, most organizations uh, I see either don't document it well, <laughs> the feedback that's being given, or mm-hmm. document it just to, because they're supposed to, right? It goes in some file somewhere. There's no plan, you know, yeah. if if these things aren't done, right. then this will happen. Or if you meet these goals, then you will get these benefits or whatever. There's right. no right. plan. Yeah. Right. We fill this out because HR told us to. Yeah. Not, this is a helpful tool in me to be able to engage with you about your career, right? Because perhaps there's no career pathing. 
Right. Perhaps it's not clear to anyone what job is after this one, right? And without mm-hmm, that information, mm-hmm. I could appreciate that the conversation is kind of weird for a manager to have of like, right. well, what do I do with them now? <laughs> right? Right, like, right. You know, I don't want right. to lose them. I don't have extra work to give them. I don't have new cool assignments to uh, support them with. So I really think it's about clarifying when and where you're going to get that feedback and then being clear yeah. about how you want to get it. I'm someone who like, wants an initial email of like, hey, we're going to have a talk or hey, here's something I'd like you to look at. Let's meet tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I need a little bit of time to like sit with it. Um, mm-hmm. And then I can just be more prepared. Now, that's me mm-hmm. in an ideal scenario. <laughs> doesn't always mm-hmm. work that way. Um, and I can handle a, a feedback ambush <laughs> if it occurs. But Yikes. Um, <laughs> everyone's different, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, my little companies, we're very small um, and you know, I didn't go to business school. I'm an art school dropout. Like there was no plan. I don't have an HR department, all this stuff. So, you know, and I've sort of kind of organically grown our team. And so I've never done like annual reviews or anything. Mm-hmm. So I have this young developer who I love and she's great. Hi, Bailey. And she joined our team and about a year in, she was like, hey, so like, is there like an annual review process or and I was like, oh, I've never done that before. Okay, great. And so then we talked about like, well, what do you want to discuss during this? And so we did. And we talked about her goals. And, and you know, I've actually invested in some training for her. So she's developing as a developer. She's getting even better. And mm-hmm. and then another friend of mine who runs an organization mentioned like having open office hours. And so now I have mm-hmm. this thing a couple days a week where my team can book 15-minute check-ins and like they can talk mm-hmm. about whatever. So um, it's something I'm learning how to do, have, have these conversations, mm-hmm. but I, so I'm finding I'm having a lot more of like, so how are you doing? How's it going? What would you like to do? <laughs> what are you happy yeah. with? What don't you like? You know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot. I mean, as a man, I also have people on my team who don't meet, meet their commitments, who I have to mm-hmm. harangue to get their work done. And there's a lot of mm-hmm. really difficult conversations. And I think managers mm-hmm. probably put those off sometimes mm-hmm. until they absolutely have to. Um, especially in smaller organizations. But um, mm-hmm. I feel like these conversations are just critical. Oh, it happens in big organizations too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard of entities that instead of providing critical feedback to an employee, they'll just move them to another area. <laughs> give it, make it someone give, else's problem. It, it oh, wasn't a man. fit here. And you were like, that's not true. <laughs> That's not, can you imagine being the person who absorbs that person? Right. And can you imagine the experience for the employee? Right. Who's getting no feedback. Right. Right. Who has no idea year after year, they're not being told, hey, (laughs) you know, you don't actually deliver your work and everyone else on your team compensates. Like, to never hear that. And then the poor manager who actually does say it. Right is met with the amount of resistance of, yeah. well, I've never heard that before. I've been here for so many years. No one's ever complained about my right. work performance. Right. right, right, right. So it's imp- important to have these conversations early on. And yeah, yeah. people are adults. <laughs> you know, most of us work with adults and they want to be treated with respect, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tell me what you would like me to work on, tell me in a way that's polite and professional and relevant Mm -hmm. to my work and I'll work on it, right? We may disagree Mm -hmm. on form and function and how it actually gets done. Um, But I, you know, I think with feedback, 
I have some managers that I talk to, we do, I do coaching with, and they're like, well, I just don't like the way that he's doing it. I was like, but is it getting done? Like, is the task getting done and you just don't like the how? <laughs> like, let's be real clear. Right. Are you giving feedback for your benefit or for their benefit? Right. Are you a control like, freak or? Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, control feels different for different people, right? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but this is the process. Like, we have to do it because, like, it helps us deliver this or it's the safest way or whatever that thing is. But again, like, really interrogate for yourself, does this make sense? Like, is it that I have a problem with the way they're doing it? Or is there something actually wrong with the outcome? Because if they're mm-hmm, getting mm-hmm. to a outcome, which meets all the criteria, then what's, what's really the issue here? <laughs> you know, right, and, right. And that yeah. is an uncomfortable question <laughs> um, yeah. to, to be asked and to think about. So you seem like a very knowledgeable, well-adjusted person, and you have all this experience <laughs> working with organizations. But do you struggle with boundaries too? Like oh, everyone better. else I know? oh my gosh i am i am terrible at boundaries um it's it's one of those things that those that can't do teach um Mm. absolutely (laughs) this is why i I have a podcast yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think that um you know there's something about when you are in work that is of service and whatever, however you define of service, right? Mm-hmm. I could be preparing material. I could be doing my consulting projects. I could be coaching one-on-one. And I'm someone who wants to help others so much that I will do it at the expense of myself. All the oh, time. yeah. I hear you. And everyone who's a colleague of mine knows that <laughs> and will ask, like, how are you taking care of yourself? And I will say, I am not. Uh, and so right. um, at this stage, I'm not in denial. <laughs> I'm just uh, <laughs> actively well, sitting admitting in you have a problem is the, <laughs> first, the first step, step right? It's the first step. <laughs> and and um, I had a, a real humorous interaction with my therapist the other day. Uh, I kept telling her that um, I was trying to do self-care. I was trying to like work on like coloring a pencil, uh, coloring um paper I was trying to read a book and I just kept falling asleep and she's like Sara perhaps your self-care is sleep and I was like no no that can't possibly be it and I like went to find another activity and she's like but Sara you have two young children under five and you are running your own business and you're like also running a household and you're also doing this this and this I think you're allowed to sleep and I'm like no, that can't be the answer, right? That's that's pure denial, right? And like she and I were joking a little bit um, in the context of our, you know, therapeutic relationship. But right, right. it's very true, right? For me, I'm just like, nope, that can't be the boundary. That can't be this. I have to do right. this. I want to do this. And so I, I read a while ago some, you know, Instagram graphic quote thing that basically said, just remember, you know, you don't have to earn rest. Mm. Rest is required because you are a human being. I mean, Mm. they said it more eloquently than that. But (laughs) that was like a light bulb moment for me. Like, oh, I don't have to earn it. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. And and if when you do finally feel that you've earned it, you can't enjoy it, then Mm -hmm, what's the the point, right? mm -hmm, And like mm -hmm. my brain knows that, you know. (laughs) I I understand (laughs) that as a concept. Yeah, Um, Yeah. I think that like, it's years of, you know, for my family, where my parents are from, my culture of origin, um, 
it is about being of service, being of value, providing for others. And there's an intensity to that that is just very consuming. And so the idea of rest and the idea of waiting and care is it's not something I was necessarily brought up with. Now, did we have fun and did we enjoy each other's company? Absolutely. But it was just a different way about going about it. Yeah. I mean, I have this whole thing about, you know, this podcast about boundaries and I'm always um, evangelizing about it. But I mean, I struggle with the same things. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's just, it's very hard to, I'm the same as you. I'm a people pleaser. I love making things. I want to help people. It's very hard to say no. So, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe, maybe the hope in talking to people, other people on the podcast is maybe someone will have a secret and then you and I can both do it. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the holy grail. Yeah. <laughs> there must be a right answer out there. But yes, I mean, yes. I think it's, as you were saying with that quote, like that permission, like you can give yourself permission yeah. to enjoy rest. Exactly. Exactly. So, Sarah, tell us a little bit about your podcast and your business and what you do and how people can find you and all that good stuff. Oh, my. Uh, Absolutely. So uh, the podcast I have is Can I Offer You Some Feedback? And in there, I have short conversations uh, somewhere in the 10 to 15 minute range uh, with individuals around feedback, uh, giving, receiving, um, and thinking about what are some of those elements about how we can better construct meaningful feedback. I also sprinkle in some business bites, uh, so some business terminology, management concepts, uh, typically in about five minutes or less uh, for folks to be able to think of and kind of do a little bit of digger deeping on. Um, the work that I do in my practice um, on network, it's a consultancy, as you mentioned in the upfront, and I do a mix mm-hmm. of uh, training, one-on-one coaching, team coaching, and then uh, HR or organizational development consulting projects. So wide ranging and I get to do a lot of very different kind of work in my day and get to work with a lot of different clients. So, you know, this morning I was working with a municipality, midday I was working with a nonprofit, this afternoon I'll be working with a foundation um, and then connecting with some uh, civic leaders in the evening. So it's it's just, wow. I feel very fortunate and blessed that I get to do this as my full-time job and uh, yeah. It's been a very interesting journey being in this space. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. Um, I love talking with you about this stuff, and I hope we can have another conversation sometime soon. Thank you so much, Heather. It was a pleasure as well. Okay, switching gears now. I want to take a few minutes for some housekeeping notes and to let you in on what we've got planned this season and how things are changing. Return listeners will have noticed that our beloved Sarah Saunders, my co-host for the past two years, isn't on today. Sarah, if you don't know, is a mom of four boys, all under the age of five or maybe six now, as well as a practicing therapist and business owner. Her practice, Purposeful Growth and Wellness, is growing. Yay, Sarah! And she's got her hands full. Like, seriously, you can only imagine So she's decided to say no to the podcast, at least for a while, in order to make room for her family and her thriving business. Knowing when to say when is what we're all about here, and we completely support and applaud her decision. Sarah will always be a part of our Hardno family, and who knows, she may chime in on social media now and then, or maybe we'll have her on as a guest sometime, maybe she'll answer a mailbag question, whatever works for her. 
In the meantime, she's here with us in spirit. I don't think we'll ever lose sight of the shitty committee or the positive posse or any of the other pearls of wisdom she's taught us along the way. If you're new to the podcast, be sure to go back and check out episodes from our first two seasons. You'll immediately understand why we love Sarah so much. This season, we're going to switch up our format a little, try some new kinds of content, and of course, we'll continue to bring on more great guests. We'll be publishing every week without long breaks, I promise, and our episodes will be a little shorter. You can watch for us every Tuesday morning when our episodes drop. Here's a new thing we're trying, a book club. I know, I know. Who am I, right? Like Oprah? Who's got time to read anyway? Well, you do if you start setting some damn boundaries, am I right? But I get it. We'll make this easy and fun though, okay? So for our first book, we're going to read Fuck No, How to Stop Saying Yes When You Can't, You Shouldn't, or You Just Don't Want To by Sarah Knight. She's also known for the life-changing magic of not giving a fuck and other NFGG, which stands for No F***s Given Guide, books. It's a hilarious but also insightful and pragmatic book. It's small and chapters are bite-sized, so at least for this overscheduled girl, it's doable. We'll put a link to the book on our website, but you might also be able to find it at your local library or local independent bookstore. In a few weeks, we'll announce when we'll discuss the book, and we're hoping to have a fun panel of guests to share their feedback. I hope you'll join in. Got questions or a boundary-setting success story or flop? It's easy to get in touch with us. Send an email through our website, hardnopodcast.com. DM us on social, we're at hardnopodcast. Or leave a message at 216-370-3410. We'll be featuring some of our favorite questions and messages in future mailbag episodes. So get in touch. You can find show notes and a transcript of today's episode on our website, hardnopodcast.com. Make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite listening platform so you don't miss any new episodes. And if you liked what you heard, please give us a rating and review, especially on Apple, so others can find us too. That's a Hard No is a production of Clever Girl Marketing, my strategic marketing agency based here in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. You can learn all about us at clevergirlmarketing.com. It's written by me, Heather Drago, and our amazing marketing and production coordinator, Mara Del Rosario. Production support, Evergreen Podcast, Noah Fouts, producer and editor extraordinaire. Our awesome new rock anthem was written by Noah and performed by his band, The Big Leagues. I love it so much. Thank you, Noah. We've added some new folks to the team. Shout out to Ink Factory, the incredibly talented team of artists who've partnered with us to produce our animated video clips. You can find them at inkfactorystudio.com. And last but not least, Jake Donnelly, the videographer and photographer who's the creative force behind our YouTube videos. You demand, Jake. You can find him at rjdonnelly.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. And remember, saying no isn't just okay. Saying no is the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. So do it. Find your no, then say it unapologetically. That's a hard no! Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called 
Can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.